Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. Hello and welcome to the CineStream Club, the weekly pod where we pick a film that society adores and run it through the CineStream test, where we answer the big questions like... What should have been left on the cutting room floor? Or who could Tom Hanks play in this movie? Don't forget to subscribe and review and like and share and all that kind of stuff that people usually ask for. But please do it if you like the podcast because it really does help. Here we go. This week on the CineStream Club, I believe the children are a future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Yep, it's coming to America. Sir! I was wondering, did you happen to catch the professional football contest on television last night? No, I didn't. Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. It was a most ripping victory. Son, I'm just going to tell you this one time. Yes, You want to keep working here. Stay off the drugs. Ed, Andrea, welcome back. Good to be back, Trump. Like how excited I am. It sounds like we surprised you, like we walked in on you doing something You walked in on my Zoom. You're like, Ed, Andrea, what are you doing here? You got a knock before you come into my Zoom, guys. Well, I clicked that, we clicked on the link that you sent us, so... Oh, okay, you there you be go. surprised that we're here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just excited doing? today. I have been singing, uh, I have been singing Soul Glow all morning. Yeah. It's just the soul glow feeling all so silky smooth. <laughs> I've been I've been singing uh, I believe the children are future. Chicken and well and let them lead the way. I'm a son. I don't know it's one, don't that's one of those songs. In a bathtub full of drugs. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking of you Whitney. R.I.P. Whitney. Coming to America. Hot, a hot topic, a hot, a hot nugget. It's there's a sequel. I was going to say in the works, but it's already been worked and paused, it's, yeah, and it's made. It's sitting in the it's sitting in the the virtual gun with with uh, Paramount's well now Amazon Prime's finger on the trigger, waiting the waiting to pull it. It was meant to be released at Christmas, and now it's being pushed oh. to March fifth. So what better time to watch the original film coming to America? I suppose we'll start where we always start. What does the movie mean to you? What memory does it evoke? As I always do, I'll get the ball rolling. Me, personally, I don't really have a specific memory of coming to America per se. I just have this general memory of growing up. And again, when I was around the age of eight or nine or ten, I just remember my sister being obsessed with Eddie Murphy comedies. And I just kind of became a participant in that. So whether it was like... Coming to America or Trading Places or Beverly Hills Cop or, or even the stand-up stuff. That was just in rotation in my house for a couple of, probably a year or so. So I had kind of blended together all his comedies into one big memory. And mm. only over the last couple of years, as I started seeing, well, uh, Trading Places has become a bit of a Christmas tradition in our house. So I'm very aware of that film now. But then all the other Eddie Murphy comedies, I've kind of, they're all kind of mishmashed together a little bit. So... I, I so rewatching Coming to America, it was kind of an exercise where I was like, "Oh, that's from that film. Oh, that's from that film." And then obviously, it doesn't help that he dresses up 
as other ca- characters in so much of his movies now and yeah, that all started yeah. in coming from america so even more so i think a lot of his style and his the, the characters that he plays they are very similar uh especially when he kind of started cookie cookie cutty cuttering it <laughs> cutty cuttering it <laughs> When he kind of made a cookie cutter out of his out of his out of his comedy in the nineties, so yeah, uh, it became a shtick. It did a little bit, but yeah, that's kind of that's my that's my emotional connection to this film. What about you guys? I'll start this time with you, Dre. What did it mean to you, or what did it evoke in your memory? In your what what did the what did baby Dre say when she came out to visit when you're watching this film you know i've i've never before last week i'd never seen the film in its entirety so it it didn't have a massive impact on me growing up but i had seen you know Mm. all the best bits from you know award shows where they showed the montage of eddie murphy clips i had seen a lot of clips from never the whole film Every year when he doesn't win an award. <laughs> and as a consolation, Eddie, here's a montage of all your clips. <laughs> here's your best bits. I think, I think, I think that's why he walked out of his... Uh, he walked out of the Oscars after Dreamgirls, didn't he, when he didn't win? <laughs> so, yeah. Was he in yeah. Dreamgirls? Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. That's his Brando apocalypse now. Uh, <laughs> it's his... It's his big moment, Dreamgirls. Apparently, he's brilliant in that. I've never seen oh. it. But That's his Brando apocalypse s- now. Although, except unlike Brando, he actually gave a shit and did some yeah. research. <laughs> yeah, and actually yeah. learned his lines. <laughs> yeah, but but Marlon, I don't think your character would wear a thirty thousand dollar Rolex. Oh, I'm gonna wear it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow, spot on, Brando. There. <laughs> Uh, I like wedges. What do you want me to do? Will it it sit in the shadows over here? Here, Give me that orange. I'll eat that orange. Oh, oh, wrong film. (laughs) Call me Marilyn. I love the smell of of oranges in the nighttime. Um. (laughs) I'm going to give him an orange he can't refuse. What about you, Ed? What's. What yeah, I, to America I, I think uh, being the being the elder statesman of this podcast so far, I think when it, when it came out, I remember the the older lads in school kind of quoting stuff from it mm. and saying things like the royal penis is clean and yeah. like in the corridors in school you'd hear like the distant shouting, echoey shouting of people going sexual chocolate, sexual chocolate, yeah. a lot. So I think I'd heard lines from it before I'd actually seen it. And I saw it on TV, I think. Mm. And I remember recording it because there were some scenes that I wanted to rewind. But we can get to that later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Young was, adolescent Ed the uh, yeah, had a yeah. bone to pick with a bone. <laughs> yeah, at, at, the begin- at the beginning of the movie where Prince Akeem, Eddie Murphy, wakes up and it's his 21st birthday. And my first thought was actually... He got the keys to the titties. <laughs> you get the key. <laughs> you get the keys to the royal titties. But yeah, the ba- the bathers in it. I mean, and it's very it's a very 1980s movie in that women yeah. are... Ju- the female characters are just there to be tits and ass. Yeah. And there's maybe like one or two strong, like Lisa and his mother are probably the only uh, female characters that have any kind of personality because Lisa's sister mm. is... Or like, dialogue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was one of those things where it was a classic kind of comedy 
before I had gotten a chance to see it. And then yeah. when I saw it, I think I appreciated the characters and the makeup. And I like a kind of a fish out of water type movie. Mm. But I never remember being a massive kind of fan of it. But it was always kind of there and people would quote from it. And I think yeah. it was a, I think it was a big deal because it was the first time that you had since probably the kind of 70s black exploitation. Although like the black exploitation movies were by definition low budget movies, but this was like a big budget big star in Eddie Murphy. You know, this was a a big big movie. Yeah. And it was probably the first big big movie I ever saw that had you know uh, a black cast in it. To, yes. to the point where yeah. there's just like there's literally like one token white guy in it, which I thought was kind of funny this time around. It's something I never noticed when I was a kid. It was like, oh, there's the the token white guy. I think the only difference between then and now is that if this movie was made today, it would be also directed by a man or a woman of color because John Landis directed it. Like, because there was yeah, no it's a fresh out. There was yeah. no there was no major sort of black director until. John Singleton and Boys to the Hood, or Boys in the Hood, Boys to the Hood. Yeah. Get the boys to the hood. There's something <laughs> going down. <laughs> Gather them up. Um, and that was like 1991 or something like that. So like a few yeah. years after this. But I think without this movie, you probably wouldn't have had... Because this, this kind of proved that, although Eddie Murphy had proved with you know trading places and you know uh, beverly hills cop and all that but this was the first time where it was like you know it's his story it says an eddie murphy production at the beginning of the movie but that's pure but did he actually yeah but but he didn't actually produce anything no <laughs> he, he, he worked I th- I on think, the script but he i think have. he had a bet with someone i can get my name in the credits more times than anyone's ever gotten the credits of a movie yeah. in the yeah. history of movies because he plays Which, so many characters, it's story by he goes produced by. It's like I don't know. This should be yeah. like a. It, I, it's almost like Which this should be like impressive. Special it, special mention. Uh, it should be the movie should be dedicated to Eddie Murphy as well. Just yeah. So, just so we can get that extra credit. I don't know. I do like seeing somebody who when they're when they're rising, and the way Eddie like obviously Eddie Murphy like his trajectory that he was on in the eighties was just like exponential. So yeah. it is kind of cool to see that happening as well, where like it gets to a point where you can imagine he's in a room full of executives and he's basically saying, how far can I push my name here? How far can I throw my weight around here? And that's, yeah. that's kind of cool as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, yeah. it mightn't be cool to work with, but it's cool to look back on and kind of observe as a punter. So you, you said fish out of water, which brings us to the genre. Yeah, I, I had the same. Like, what genre is the movie? I, I have Fish Out of Water. I also have Prince and Pauper. Yeah, Prince and the Pauper type tale, oh, if that yeah. can be a genre. Yeah. That idea of flipping the switch and going from Mr. Rich Boy or Girl to a different life, which which we also kind of see with the Freaky Friday type films. So I have it as a mishmash between Fish Out of yeah. Water and Freaky Friday. But I suppose Fish Out of Wa- Prince and the Pauper is also a Fish Out of Water by default. <laughs> so, the, and then the other question is the natural question is is there a better version of this movie out there now i i think there is um I, i'll i'll say my ones and then, and then i'll let you guys say what you think uh i've got crocodile dundee that's what i thought too i've got my cousin vinnie <laughs> yeah really I, I thought of crocodile, crocodile dundee, dundee but have it I, um, here. uh that's also just another film that i haven't seen since i was a kid but that's uh, you know i thought it was similar enough 
Yeah. And then rags, to, if you want to talk about rags to riches, trading places. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's effectively a better version of this movie. And this movie is kind of in the trading places universe because there's similar characters, there's characters, yeah. there's callbacks, there's Easter eggs, two same trading director. places, same director. So it, it's in that world. Mm. And yeah, if you're going to call it a trading places sequel, which I know is a bit of a tenuous link or a bit of a bit of a, a stretch to say that i i'd be saying trading places is a better film in the rags to riches fish out of water cinematic universe there's trading places and there's yeah Cro- crocodile dundee is something that i watched recently uh, i can't remember when maybe i don't know like six months ago i hadn't seen it in a long time doesn't really hold up i don't think it's it's not that good it's kind of on a par with coming to america although i think coming to america made me laugh out loud a couple of times it made me kind of go hmm or it made me go like oh that's funny enough but it did make me laugh out loud twice uh, kind of unexpectedly was crocodile dundee i was like yeah this this was good when i was a kid and i think because i was watching it with yeah. i was watching it with uh with cara with my beloved cara and <laughs> she at one point was towards the end was like this is shit <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like yeah yeah it kind of is uh if we had to boil down the movie to a sentence then i mean it, yeah but it, it is it is a prince and, it is a prince and pauper thing I'm trying to Aladdin is probably another one that's um you know he's pretending to be a prince but mm. he's actually a street rat uh, okay. who who, yeah. who has a monkey for a best friend I've got a celebrity goes in search of a wife with a mind of her own not a groupie with humorous consequences <laughs> That's good I think that's um, actually which, which makes me which makes me think, Dre, did you did you manage did you do a review based on memory for this no, one? No, or because I, you haven't I seen it? I didn't because I really Could couldn't remember this one uh, at all. You know, and I I hadn't seen yeah. it. Yeah. Well, do you know me? I'll do one next time. But I, I, I <laughs> as far as I know, um, Eddie Murphy. This like it's kind of semi autobiographical on Eddie Murphy's part because he's at his peak at this point, and I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Doesn't he have like 20 kids? I think women were throwing themselves at him. Um He has a few, yeah, he definitely he has, has a few. He definitely has dubbed Scary Spice. Did he have a, did he have a kid with Scary Spice? Yes, a kid that he denied uh, for a very yeah. long time until it was proven with paternity tests and everything. One day the kid woke up, uh, he started wearing red leather jackets walking around the house doing stand up and they just couldn't deny it anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He started doing really, really homophobic jokes. Yeah, really, really <laughs> homophobic like, I... uh, jokes. <laughs> yeah. He's my kid. Yeah. But yeah, de- definitely, because I, I watched, um, and this is completely off, this is not about coming to America, but I watched, um, after this movie, I watched 48 Hours, Yeah, um, which was 1982, which was his first movie when he was 20 years old, and he was just off of oh. Saturday Night Live, where Nick Nolte is the lead and Nick Nolte plays like a racist cop who completely calls him the N-word in it. And yeah. like five years I later... I feel like most Nick Nolte movies, he's doing that though. <laughs> I think that's just Nick Nolte's character. Himself. Yeah. He's playing himself. I've got this. Uh, I've only got 48 hours. I've got to <laughs> smoke cigars. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I gotta bring uh, this comedian around as part of this part of the narrative. I don't know. I just I got a cigarette. Is... I looked fifty eight since I was twenty four years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the movie where Eddie Murphy's opening scene is him basically singing Roxanne yeah, in a prison yeah. cell. Yeah, in yeah, prison that's, cell, yeah, yeah. Which is like him. That scene is him just kicking the doors open to like a, yeah. like a, a new audience. Like he, he's and within he's and within yeah, and within five years of him making that, he had the power and the clout to do an Eddie Murphy production. And I'm going to play f- fifteen characters in this movie, and it's going to be a romantic <laughs> yeah. comedy, and it's going to be a fish out of water. Actually, that, that that's where I think the movie sort of lets itself down a little bit, and that it's trying to be uh, both a fish out of water movie and a romantic comedy movie and it's maybe a little bit a little bit bloated over we'll we'll, yeah but we'll get to that in 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 cutting room floor i guess yeah oh well look the inverse for your consideration let's 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 get that conversation going what what would we submit to the academy here i'll i've got a load of things but i i just to give one as a as an appetizer, best fake ad in a movie, Soul Glow. It's oh, yeah. it's it's amazing. It's I, I sung yeah, that yeah. song all day, and I, I you, you might have seen this in some of your research. I didn't know this. Niall Rogers wrote that song. Like yeah, of, yeah, he he did the score of Daft Punk fame. You know, uh, you yeah. know, he Chic. the man that went on to write the the, the, the smash hit of twenty thirteen, Get Lucky. Yeah, and he and he lists it. As one of his top achievements, <laughs> it's one of the is one of his favorite riffs that he's done. Uh, he, he he loves it. Soul glow, um, soul glow. <laughs> it got the soul glow. It's so high. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just and best. Um, there's also there's, there's there's some really just good fake songs in the movie, and and the one thing I do like about this film is the is the little jokes that are kind of in the background and kind of peppered around the script. Like you can tell that like they might've been, you know, orchestrating a scene and whether it was Eddie Murphy or somebody might've said, you know, what would be funny if we had a, if a zebra just walked, ran past us <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the foreground, you know, so no, and we I, don't reference I, I it. I that, laughed those, when I saw that. When you see the, yeah, when it like, when a little elephant goes past and he goes, hello, Babar. <laughs> Hello, Barbara. Or, or yeah. when a, when a yeah. zebra goes past, because because I I just picture the crew member who's just you know uh, off camera going go on to fuck go on to fuck a zebra, yeah yeah, hoofing a zebra to run across the because like the, all the animals are hanging like hanging out outside the um the the royal palace like there's there's a whole scene the the breakfast scene where there's like a tr- uh, like a troop of elephants going past yeah, outside in the background yeah and i was like is that supposed to be funny cuz like there's just there's elephants it's so needless yeah yeah, yeah and it's that's pointless. the kind of so and even that like and that's what i mean like the soul glow ad um is an example the the, the elephants yeah. the and even like in the nightclub scene which i don't like um but the song being sung in the nightclub is a song that was written and sung by Eddie Murphy. Like he's yeah, singing that yeah. song that's playing. So it's just those little touches, those layers that's added to the movie that uh, you, you can't but not appreciate. So, yeah. Uh, what about you guys? Um, I think the makeup. Yeah. I think, uh, and, and you know, obviously there's some good um, kind of su- subtle makeup in the the what's his name not randy jackson that's the guy from american idol the um (laughs) the uh 
<laughs> the singer, the guy, the guy, uh, I believe the children are future. Oh, with, se- with Randy, sexual chocolate. Uh, Walcox? Randy no, Watson. Ra- Ra- Watson, Watson, Watson. Yeah. Um, he is like like that. That's that's very very subtle, like hair and mm. makeup. But then the fact that Eddie Murphy is playing the Jewish man. Yeah, so. I didn't know that this time around. I I, I th- like I actually I actually said to myself, God, I wonder who they got to play the Jewish yeah, guy. Yeah, me too. Ugh, and it, uh-huh. to the point where it was like, yeah, and there's a couple of there's a couple of things. I'm like, oh, that's a bit it's a bit too Jewish. Is it? it you know, I don't know if that would set if that would kind of transfer with today's audiences. But then when I saw Eddie Murphy played it, I was like, not, not that he gets, he kind of, not that he gets away with it, but yeah, he kind of got away with it. Then I give him a pass. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of um, it, like, it's really good. Cause like his hands and everything. And like, you know, like it's a full prosthetic makeup mm. job and it looks really good. And like it looks, it looks very, very realistic. It maybe looks a little bit more realistic than Mrs. Doubtfire. Callback to episode yeah. two. Check it out, guys. <laughs> and um, in that callback, like Robin Williams used to, we talked about this last week. Robin Williams used to go walking around San Francisco dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah, buying yeah. dildos in porn shops. Eddie Murphy, as the Jewish guy, mm. used to hop on the subway and test it out, like just talk to people, yeah. see if anyone would spot him. And it got to a point where. Like the first couple of iterations of that outfit, people would just go, "Ah, oh, you're Eddie Murphy." <laughs> They'd see it, and then yeah, yeah. So his his mission was to make a little trip around Manhattan or wherever he was walking around, and if he could get around or walk around for an hour and come back without anyone recognizing that him, and, yeah. and and for him to get away being in that character with with normal punters, then it was a success, and then he'd sign off on the outfit because it's 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 um. It's way, way better than White Chicks whenever that was released in the sort of early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. Uh, like that makeup looks off. They look like fucking Burns victims um, in uh, White Chicks and it's horrible. But I, th- I mean, the, there's one thing I, n- I never really realized that at the time. And I don't know whether it was the, the reason for him, you know, being in because basically he's doing white face. Yeah. Um and he's doing something where, you know, uh the the minstrel stuff was, you know, what white people putting on blackface and pretending to be black to get laughs. So this is a black guy putting on a Jewish white face and doing like at the end of the movie where he does that like that Jewish joke. Yeah. Um and he's like, you know, with the with the soup and he's like, would you, you know, I got a problem with the soup here. Would you, you know, look at the soup and go, yeah, well, what's the problem? Come, come here and look at the soup. And he, and he, all right, uh, all right, will you taste the soup? Will you taste the soup? And he's like, okay, I'll taste the soup. Where's the spoon? Aha! <laughs> Aha! <laughs> but he does yeah. it really, really, like he does a really good Jewish man telling a yeah. uh, Jewish style joke. I, I did, I did have a laugh out loud with the Jewish guy when James Earl Jones walks into the barber shop. With the with the, the the lion around his shoulders, yeah, and uh, the Lion King, like, yeah, <laughs> and it just and it cuts to uh, the Jewish guy feeling the dead lion, and he goes, "Oh, is this a real? Is this a real lion?" And it's just such a needless sentence. Yeah. In, no, he's like, it, yeah. no, he says, "What? What? What is this? What, what does he say? Not silk." He says, "What is this? Um, oh, cut, cut it in later, Trev." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> whatever the line is. Yeah, that's yeah, the line. Yeah. He says it there. Insert there line. Yeah, insert well, line. It was uh, it, it, avoid the pun. Insert line. Suede. <laughs> what is this? What is this? Suede. 
This is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But it's a great line. And uh, even yeah. though I can't reference it right now, in my notes it says, that line was good. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrea, anything on your end? Um, I, 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 I loved all the barbershop scenes. I think there was only three of them. Two yeah. or three. About that, yeah. And, um, Sounds about right. It's it's funny how like they always use those clips in say like like I was saying, um, like the best of Eddie Murphy type things. You know, they use more. Of, yeah. I, I suppose yeah. it shows the fact that he's doing like he's doing. Is he doing two or three characters in that scene? Two. He's the Jewish guy, two. and he's the the main barber. Yeah, yeah and then when yeah. when the, when he's the prince, he's playing three people in the scene. They kind of oh oh sorry of course yeah, yeah, play, yeah they always kind of play those play the hits but um i love i love the story that clarence tells about meeting uh dr martin luther king oh yeah i think yeah. that's yeah. oh yeah, like, yeah and yeah. i don't know whether you can um you know submit you know such minor characters to the academy like can you, has anyone ever won an academy award for being in like one scene or two scenes in a film judy dench oh, um, for what? yeah uh, shakespeare and love uh, she was only in the in the in the scene she was the queen for what was it something like 40 45 seconds or something or two minutes or something no like that. no no it's i think it, i think it's more than that but it's like seven i minutes said it ed back. so it's true <laughs> <laughs> gonna put on my host hat guys i could look it up i'm I right know. Uh, don't mind the, the internet. Actually, that'd be that'd be good. Like, what's the shortest fake news? Shortest amount of time somebody's been in a film and has won or been nominated for an award, an Academy Award. Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. Oh yes, for best for best actor, she she won she won best supporting actor. Yes, but Anthony right. Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs is the shortest amount of screen time for a best actor. Yeah, Oscar. I don't know how eight minutes on screen. Yeah, that's there just the fucking patriarchy at play yet again in the fucking boobies. <laughs> <laughs> You're Dr. right, Lecter? Dr. Lecter, <laughs> you won an award. Where, where, well, actually, well, she won an Oscar as well, so there you go. Was there anything else? Like, I have, well, you've already mentioned it, but I'll just call it out again. Like, it's one of the first, like, all black cast movies, not just comedies, yeah. but just movies that I remember seeing as a kid. Um, Mine was The Wiz. And, the Wiz, yeah, I loved yeah. that as a kid because it was, I mean, Jesus, all the stars that were in that, and Michael Jackson was in it. You know, he was still black, he was still yeah. cool. We didn't know he was a pedophile yet. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great. Now. <laughs> the Wiz confused me. I it was so chaotic <laughs> and crazy, and I just felt like everybody was Keep dancing, and there's too many roller skates. The soundtrack that is incredible. Keep on. It is. Well, the yeah, the it soundtrack is. was um uh w- w- what's his name um he produced Michael Jackson's albums and stuff. Uh, Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. Yeah, yeah he did the music yeah. and the soundtrack. Yeah. But yeah, the 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 Tin Man and that really scared me. <laughs> uh, when he was doing that weird crying, he'd be like a deed, a deed. I found that like really disturbing, and there's a bit where they're like in the underground, and all the pillars come alive and start attacking them. Yeah. Oh it was yeah, such a such a weird uh, m- movie. But yeah, there's a, a lot of labyrinth vibes yes, to the is. Wiz. It's like, it's is that kind of yeah? And do you know, and do you know who wrote the screenplay for that? Joel Schumacher. There's a weird. I remember seeing that on, on a rabbit hole, uh, on a YouTube rabbit hole or a Wikipedia rabbit hole that I was on and being amazed by it. Joel Schumacher has a very interesting 
filmography, but oh, that's, yeah. Boy, we'll co- we'll co- yeah, but we'll cover, hey, we'll cover that one again. Ooh, tease. A tease. So, okay, we've we mentioned short camera time. We have, we have to call out Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Like, that scene, that just showed. <laughs> and Cuba Gooding Jr. Like, and Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba Gooding Jr. as boy getting haircut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is I his actual credit. The credit's going up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, when I was watching, when you watch it on Amazon, it's got a great. This isn't a plug for Amazon. It's just a nice feature that I like. When you pause it, it'll, it'll, um, it'll show you who the it'll give you the name of the actor and the character that they're playing. When I saw uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., I was like, "Oh my God, it's Cuba Gooding Jr." And then I paused it, and his character's name was Boy Getting Haircut. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, I think, and he doesn't have any lines. He's just kind of like. He's just kind of uh, smiling away. And then Eddie Murphy cutting his hair. He doesn't look like he's cutting his hair at all. He just yeah. looks like he's cutting the air <laughs> around his head. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I'm going right. to I'm going to clean your aura. That's kind of what he looks like <laughs> yeah, he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a fair shout now. But I did think Samuel L. Jackson, he just showed his future pedigree. Like he just owned that scene. Like, oh, yeah. He's playing the most Samuel L. Jackson character you can play. A man who just screams profanities, yeah. holding a gun. That was his audition for Pulp yeah. Fiction. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It felt like, yeah, it felt like somebody. Hey, it's like, hey, uh, Sam, uh, this guy called Quentin is going to be looking at this movie, so uh, just play it gangster if you can. I got it. <laughs> but like he, he, uh, if you watch the opening credits, they have like a kind of a, uh, you know, the, the the actors' names come up, and it's like four in groups of four. So there's mm-hmm. like blocks of four, and then the very yeah. last one, Samuel L. Jackson's name is on the bottom, because you know I think he won. He won at this stage. He had made a couple of movies with Spike Lee, and yeah. I think he won. He won Best Supporting Actor at the Cannes Film Festival, which was a category that didn't exist, and they invented it just to give him an award. So uh, he had like he had a bit of kudos in in yeah. the sense that he's in the he's in the the opening credits blocks, but he's really yeah. good. And I remember seeing that that was the one of the funniest scenes watching it on TV on the BBC when they would cut out the language or they'd mm. replace the fucks with forgets and whatever. <laughs> uh, where like Akeem was like, uh, you know, put your gun down. And he's like, you oh, forget, versus... forget yeah. you. Yeah, like they really went to <laughs> yeah. To great extremes to to kind of cover were, over the bad language. Yeah. Like, uh, Ed, were they dubbed over? With, dubbed over, with yeah. The same accents, or did it, did the BBC do what they did in the seventies for the IRA and dub it over with a really really <laughs> British voice? <laughs> Fuck <laughs> it, no, you. I've never yeah. heard any of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did that sound um, like, Ray? Give us an example. What? What did that sound like when they when they dubbed over the IRA with with? So, it, so <laughs> they would have like you know Jerry Adams or whoever uh, you know walk into camera yeah. and maybe do an interview and then <laughs> oh and then yeah it would just yeah be yeah like, oh, on TV well I think the main problem is that because they just they, they yeah. didn't want to have the the naughty the, they, just, they didn't want to have yeah. the naughty action done because there was a yeah. there was a com- I think it was the, twofold, the situation that we're finding ourselves in is a, that we're not being respected yeah, at all like there was a blanket ban on. Um, yeah, on uh, like we're even reporting on on the IRA. You just can't, you couldn't have any 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 of those boys on the news. That was actually all wrong. 
It was a blanket ban on Sinn Féin. Hey, yeah. they, are, they are the same thing. But, I know, uh, but I don't hey. want to say that. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, leave all this in. Leave no. all this in. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't leave that in. I thought you... See, I, thought, I honestly thought you meant... When they had like IRA characters in movies that replaced them with posh <laughs> voices. I, I funnily enough, totally knew what you were talking about, but you said IRA, and I in my head I just had because it was Jerry yeah. Adams that it was. He was always on news at news at ten, um, yes, with this voice where it'd be like, you know, yeah. I'm terribly upset by the levels of sectarianism that we've been exposed to here in Belfast. It's this, terribly, situ- terribly, this, this situation is just ghastly. <laughs> it's just ghastly, yeah. They should have dubbed Thatcher with a Nordy accent just to balance it out. That would have been, you know. (laughs) know. These hunger strikers are not going to, we won't bow to these terrorists. And I'm going to go to the Falklands by hook or by crook. (laughs) Argentina thinks that this is a, that's their their island. I mean, you could put Ian Paisley's voice over Margaret Thatcher and people would be like, yeah, that fits. (laughs) We say to these miners who are striking, we say no strikes will be upheld by this conservative government. Fuck it, leave me. I am a strong female woman in power. I'm never going to attempt to affix my mistakes in this podcast ever again. And I fucking demand you leave them in, Trev. Because this is the content that people want. They they don't want to hear your perfect... Your perfect Percy Pig cookie cutter cookie world, cutter, you know, <laughs> cookie cookie clutter. <laughs> Do you know what we didn't talk about uh, last week? And um, uh, did did we talk about the the guy who re-edited Mrs. Doubtfire into the trailer for it into a horror movie and how brilliant that was? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it just goes to show it is a kind of a. It's a fucking terrifying <laughs> concept. Yeah. In the wrong yeah. in the wrong hands, it is. It's very dodgy. Most comedies are like when you look yeah, at the yeah. actual structure of a of a of a of a of a situational comedy. It's like uh, you know uh, a mob killing undercover detective with anger issues has to look after lots of kindergarten kids for a year. It's like, yeah, that's pretty... I wouldn't would want Dylan to be minded by Arnold Schwarzenegger for a year. <laughs> that's kids pretty, are going to be psychologically kind of... scared for life. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. it's, it's heartwarming. It's heartwarming. It's, har- it's heartwarming. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, oh, the one other thing for the consideration of the Academy, um, if I'm going to yeah. make up my own categories, I do like the... I do like the bride scene when he meets his bride and <laughs> he brings her back for a chat. And <laughs> yeah. like she, she's got so few lines, which is obviously the part that she's meant to be playing because she's meant to fit into this horribly oppressive kind of patriarchal fucking structure. Um, but every time he asks her a question and she answers, whatever you like, my, my highness, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. her little bow that she gives as she's saying, whatever <laughs> yeah, you yeah, like, yeah, my yeah. highness. It's so funny. It's like her timing is brilliant. And even when she's barking like a dog and barking like a big dog. A big dog. <laughs> yeah. um, and, he, and then I did actually just like the, and I know this is really simple humor. And I think I was on my second whiskey or third whiskey at this point. So I was just like chuckling <laughs> along to things. But when. Um, it's a two whiskey movie. It's a two whiskey movie. The simplicity of the joke of like, 
you know, are we going to go to LA or New York? And they flip a coin. We go to go to New York. Where else in New York will I meet a queen? Queens. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so stupid, but it's kind of funny. And it, it just like such a, a weird link. They have the crowbar. And, and you know, the original concept for the script was probably just Eddie Murphy saying, you know, I want to be, I want to be a prince and I want to be in Queens and let's just build a movie around that. And that's the moment <laughs> yeah, where they kind of yeah. tied everything together, yeah, <laughs> which, yeah. Made, which made me laugh. But cutting room floor, there's probably a bit here to go through. I'm, I'm getting, just from the vibes I'm picking off you guys that there might be, there might be a few snippets of film on the floor here after we're done. I'm going to put one thing out there on the cutting room yeah. floor and that's the long build-up. Yeah. And I, it, it's a trope of all 80s movies, but there's mm. always this... And Mrs. Doubtfire has it a little bit, but there's a lot more comedy in the setup of Mrs. Doubtfire, I find. I just find that Coming to America is an example of movies just taking a little bit too long to get to the the actual yeah, execution of the joke. Point. And yeah. movies today get there too quickly. Like, you, if you compare, like, and even in the non-comedy sense, if you compare Jurassic Park to all its sequels, like, and the amount of time it takes for the first big dinosaur to make an appearance versus all the other movies, um, you know, they, they blow their load in the sequels. They, they show dinosaurs within five minutes, where in Jurassic yeah. Park, it takes probably half an hour. Yeah. And so there's an argument for a good build-up, the Jaws, the Jaws argument, you know. Yeah, yeah show not show but tell don't show <laughs> the opposite baby but i i think there's an argument here for maybe trimming down the start and john landis did actually pitch a recut to the studio in the build-up to i think after the millennium he wanted to do a director's cut because he also feels that this that the start just moves far too slowly and there was a lot of gags that got left on the floor at the expense yeah. of setting up this kind of there's a there's a good bit of bloat in the movie I think it's 19, 19 minutes in before they flip that coin. It probably is. Because you know? that's yeah. what I texted you. I texted you when I was watching saying, I'm fine, this is kind of hard going. I really thought it would jump mm. into the hardcore comedy. Like, I, I kind of, yeah. like, yeah, I was just waiting yeah. for the barbershop scenes. I was like, get to the fucking barbershop. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, get me to the barbershop. <laughs> I want to see only... Eddie Murphy chopping that hair chop. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Cooper Gooding Jr. not having any lines. Because um, unlike something like Back to the Future, uh, which you can listen to in our first episode, where it has 18 minutes of setting up the entire movie, hmm. and then you're just, it's just a, a roller coaster ride to the end. A rip-roaring Back to the Cause, Future. Yeah, because you have to set up a time machine, you have to set up his parents' relationship, how they met. Yeah all this kind of stuff, and it does it so expertly and quickly. Whereas this, you literally have to set up, I don't want to, I don't want to marry this woman in an arranged marriage. I want to find my own wife. Where am I going to go? Yeah. America. You could have done that in 10 minutes. Yeah. And he could have been, he could have been getting a taxi in New York at the 10 minute mark. And, 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 and here's a tip to the director. Just cut out. Even twenty percent of the dance routine at the wedding. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> that went on for so long. I and was like, I thought, I, I thought it was a gag. I thought it was like getting to something, or I thought the gag was it went on for so long. Yeah. But and I'll get to it in the IMDb movie quiz. I have some questions on the dance, so we won't get into that too much. Because they, they keep cutting back and forth to James yeah. Earl Jones 
and and Eddie Murphy and they're kind of looking at each other and then they're cutting back to the dancers and cutting back to them. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. all right, I get it. There's a big fucking dance. It would have been better if... I know they had to sort of introduce his bride-to-be, but they could have done it with a... Yeah. Or yeah. something like that. But they did it, they did it oh, with it, it was Garrett Marenghi-esque, the, the length of time it was taken. It, it was like a... a <laughs> yeah, the, that was funny. The, the servant, the servant yeah. song was fantastic. Yeah. He's... That, that, that was very funny. And I love the way he went from... Because he goes from totally deadpan serious to... Yeah. She's your queen. Specially <laughs> selected for you. Free yeah. from disease. Free from and then, disease. And then he goes... And then he goes... When he finishes, he goes straight back into total deadpan yeah, kind of yeah. servant yeah. mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Although keep, scene... keep, keep the bathers. Keep the bathers at the start. That, that's the only thing I'd leave in. <laughs> that's that's a nine-year-old Eddie speaking. Surely not. Well, when Surely I recorded not. it on on VHS off the TV, let's just say there was a bit of a glitch at that particular scene. <laughs> yeah, that I had to explain the, to my parents. The like, other oh, thing just, I have that's just a bad video. You better buy better videos when we're recording my comedy films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wore that bit down because I'm a good child and I didn't want to see any nudity. Uh, just in yeah. case any younger kids are watching it. forwarded through it really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does this film start off a bad chain of events for Eddie Murphy wanting to play multiple roles in movies going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think he reached the zenith of that with The Nutty Professor. Although, I yeah. mean, re-watching this, I did think you could cut a few of the characters. Mm. Even, like, there's so much bloat in it. Even when they go to the nightclub in their nice jumpers and they meet, like, so many fucking insane women. Like, yeah. the first woman they talk to is a devil worshipper, and that's, like, her opening gambit. That's That scene, that scene was kind of like a 1980s... Uh tinder in a nightclub kind of thing it was just quick swiping yeah. through the cycles yeah. but it confused me right because what was the setup there because it, it was like speed dating but they're just at a nightclub so yeah was, was were women just lining up to talk to him i guess so yeah, yeah. and then and then he probably just told him that was his song playing on the on the dj box <laughs> yeah. well that's actually my song over there so and they're like no party all the time is your song we know your song um <laughs> Because Arsenio Hall plays one of the women in it as well. Yeah, and that didn't like, age too you, well. You, you could have, like, I, I think it would have been funnier if they went into a nightclub and everyone was, like, dancing like maniacs on the dance floor and it's really loud and they go up and they're, like, like trying to chat up women but they can't hear them because the nightclub music is too loud. Yeah. And then, they, and then they leave and they're like, you know, how do we pick up women? It just... Yeah. And like I think the whole community center scene with the the I, I mean I think the sexual chocolate thing could have been cut completely, and yeah. the the preacher with that oh well oh lord, wow. lord. Yeah. like he annoyed the fuck out of me I didn't think he was funny at all because there's a bit where they have like the the McDowell's have that party where Eddie Murphy yeah. and Arsenio Hall are basically waiters at it. And he's and talking to... And no point to, of having that character back. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. he was talking to Lisa and I remember 
I, I was watching it going, God, what a fucking melt. Imagine being stuck with him at a fucking party. <laughs> so I think I think you I think you could have cut a lot of those characters that they played. But definitely like the funny thing is that Eddie Murphy has played multiple characters to great effect, I think, in like the Nutty Professor, I think he plays funny characters and he plays his whole family essentially. Yeah. Um and then obviously Norbit which I've never seen, but I hear is fucking atrocious. Where he yeah, plays a big fat woman. Um, but he never let anyone else play other characters in his movies. This is the only movie where Arsenio Hall, alongside Eddie Murphy, plays a bunch of characters. And I don't know if he. Oh no, of course he does that in the sequel because the 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 barbershop guys are back, yeah. even though they should be. 120 years old by now but they're <laughs> they're still alive yeah. and the same age the old jewish man is back as well <laughs> the other thing i know i wasn't too much of a fan of and it it became a bit of an eddie murphy running gag is the the breaking of the fourth wall you know looking at the camera knowingly when something stupid happens and he did yeah. it when yeah. he met his bride he does it in coming to him or in trading places when He's with um, the Duke brothers, and they they they're over explaining something, and, uh, and something is intelligence. Yeah. I forget I forget the joke, and he looks at the camera, and um, it just becomes a thing he does. That kind of it, and I think we're kind of saying the same thing. There's times with Eddie Murphy comedies where he tends to kind of go from simple and real life to utterly ridiculous, and mm. it's a bit jarring, you know, to go from just like this normal character to an extreme character to like, and it's. It's chaotic, and maybe it's reflective of what we were talking about earlier on, where they did they tried to do too much. They were over ambitious, and it was like almost what you'd call stoner thinking, where you're like in a room saying, "Do you know it'd be amazing? We'll have you know, I'll be in Queens, and I'm a prince, and uh, we'll have limousines, and we'll have we'll all dress up as everybody, and we'll all be all the characters." And yeah, it just snowballed, and it, and sometimes there was no reason to make these decisions. Snowballed is the right way to put it, because I would say not stoner <laughs> thinking. I would say yeah. that's cocaine brain. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Logic. Yeah, where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah Eddie, you can play every character. You're the best yeah. ever, Eddie. I, everybody loves you. That's exactly exactly yeah. what happened. The other thing I had was this is a bit of a conflicting one because. I'm glad that it was like a predominantly black cast and it just worked and it was great that they didn't have to have like, like the whole, the whole societal hierarchy is like black from the top down, which is brilliant. Like, like the upper class people are black, the lower class are, it, it just, it's a really good picture of Su- successful black people. Yeah. It's great representation. Yeah, you, did, you didn't, you didn't really have that a successful uh, black family like the McDowell's until Fresh Prince. Uh, the Cosby Show was oh, until the Cosby Show. Yeah. Or the Fresh Prince as well. Yeah. And, the Co- and then so, Fresh Prince. Yeah. So even though that's amazing, I am the one th- character that I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying given more staged or airtime, just given better lines was Louis Anderson. Cause I just, I just felt yeah. he was a bit underutilized. He's, he's one of the most underrated. Yeah. He's one of the most underrated comedians of, of his generation, yeah. probably, you know, and, and he's, got, he's just like, He's got two short scenes, basically. Yeah. And only one of them is funny where he's like, you know, yeah, I was mopping floors. Now I'm washing yeah. lettuce. <laughs> you know, yeah, which, yeah, uh, which, lettuce washer. Yeah. Next I'll be on yeah. fries. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But, that, but he is kind of funny in that he is the only white character in the, in the whole movie. 
yeah. essentially. And the that only is other funny. one is the taxi driver. That's about it. Yeah. And it is funny that they get a white guy in as a token guy and give him not yeah. many lines. So that in itself yeah, is yeah. hilarious. So maybe maybe that cutting room floor suggestion should be scrapped. He's underused, though, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what about you guys? Do you have anything else for the cutting room floor? I think all the boobs should be cut, lads. I think women are exploited enough. No. I think we need to go back in time, take out the boobs. Just throw a penis in there. Just throw a penis in there, Dre. That's all you need to do. All the breasts in this film are just the most perfect breasts I've ever seen. (laughs) I was like, yeah. You don't want to cut them. That's a pair of boobs. It's a fine pair of boobs. It is something that in the last couple of years, like like when I was in my 20s rewatching all these films, like it is something that just became really obvious. It's just that 80s thing of like a a, a movie isn't a comedy unless there's a pair of boobs in it within the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Which is kind of ridiculous. So you're kind of, I'm kind of glad that that's listen to yourself. Stopped. Kind of ridiculous. You're not even you're not even convincing yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I said kind of ridiculous, Dre. What about our what about favorite quotes? It's the one thing the movie has a good bit of. Like the the there was two. I actually I want to put it out there. I think two of the best lines went to the landlord. Yeah. In 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 the apartment complex. And both were delivered within five minutes of each other. One was, and I laughed out loud when, when the when the drunk guy falls down the stairs and he says, "Hey, Stu, your rent's due. Don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have that quote. Yeah. As like well. he does it all the time. Yeah, he just, and then, but then at the end he kind of opens his eyes as if like, and then you're wondering, oh, does he do it all the time? Yeah. And then when he brings him up to the room and they have like the the, the, the etched out drawing of the man and the dog that obviously were murdered in the room, and he just says. Damn shame what they did to that dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's and just the, just the idea of like doing an etch around a dog is pretty funny in a murder scene. And then the one other one is an hour and a half into the movie when the king comes to meet Mister uh, Mc, McDonald, and you know they call for him, and the staff guy McDowell, goes, McDowell, it's McDonald's is the is what he gets confused. Oh, I was with. saying McDonald. <laughs> Like like the like the like the curry sauce. So McDowell, you're right. Sorry, but when they when they ask uh, Mr. McDowell to come out, and he he says something like, uh, "Oh, is it the McDonald's people?" Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because yeah. they let the movie go like an hour and twenty minutes before they even reference the fact of what they were trying to copy or what they were doing. There was no other reference to McDonald's up until that point. Yeah, in my mind, anyway, unless I missed. Oh, no, there was. So there I, was. I, I love when, he, when, when he's he, talking w- to the two boys and. Uh, and he and he's just like, look, me and the I have it, I have the quote here. Me and the McDonald's people got this little misunderstanding. You see, they've got McDonald's, I've got McDowell's. They've got golden arches, <laughs> mine are the golden ox. They got the Big Mac, <laughs> I got the Big Mick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed we that. Both, I must have been. We both got two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, and onions with their buns of sesame seeds. My buns have no seeds. <laughs> I love that. He's, yeah, yeah. he's so I totally missed that. defending um defending the difference. Yeah. Yeah. He gets interrupted in his office at one point and he's looking through the McDonald's like handbook or something. That's the bit yes. that yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's trying to check out the competition. I do like his line when he says, um when Akeem comes in and he goes, uh, you know, he tries to engage he tries to make the father like him. Because oh, he yeah. keeps getting, he gets very good advice from the the barbershop uh, man. Oh yeah, big time. He's the Star Wars gunner of this movie, because when they come out of the nightclub, they bump into him, 
And he's like, oh, it's the boys from Africa. And they're like, you know, where, where can we meet uh, uh, oh, yeah. good women? And he suggests, oh, I'm going to this, you know, you meet them in church or in this community center. You know, I'm, go- I'm going to this community center right now. And they go with him and they never would have met. Uh, he never would have met Lisa if it wasn't for yeah. for you, for your man. Um, but uh, uh, Mr. McDowell, when he comes in and he's like, and he's the same guy who tells him to, you know, make the, you know, go through the father, make the father like you, and then the the daughter will like you. And he's like, did you know? Did you see the sporting uh, competition last night? <laughs> yeah. And and he does that really weird kind of um, uh, <laughs> describing of sports. And then he goes, I'm going to just tell you this one time, son. Stay off the <laughs> yeah. drug. If you want to keep working here, stay off the drug. Like that, yeah. That's a great, because he's line. like, he's just being, he's like being a boss and he's being like tough, but fair. Yeah. Um, and he really, made, he really <laughs> yeah. made me laugh. Um, he's because the, the, the bit where Daryl shows up, we haven't even talked about Daryl yet, where Daryl shows up. And it's after he learns that uh, Akeem is a prince, and he doesn't—he doesn't give a shit about him anymore because, you know, D- Daryl's the prince of Soul, Soul Glow, but this yeah. guy is the prince of Zamunda, yeah. and he shuts the door on him, and then he—he he runs back down, and he's all, "You got you, you got your stuff," and then ding dong, they go, "Excuse me a minute," and he runs back up, <laughs> and then he run, and then he's like, "The girl doesn't like you. Get it through your thick head." And then he comes back down, and then the door is knocking, and he goes back up, <laughs> and he falls up the stairs because <laughs> he's like so yeah, excited. Yeah. I thought that was that that made me laugh out loud. I thought that was very very funny, even though the whole time I was looking at him, his his weird bald patch in the front looked like I was like, "Is that makeup? Are they just trying to make him a little bit older?" And he's like. He's only like 42 or something, but they're trying to make him look like he's in his 50s. But I think it's just he's got a weird receding hairline. He is one of those guys that you just see recurringly showing up in so many movies, you know. Yeah. Like, obviously, Die Hard 2. He was brilliant in Die Hard 2. He, like, the, the kind of the the nice guy, but tough. But then, oh, wait, he's a bad guy. Played that role brilliantly. But I didn't realize, and a, a, a bit of my IMDb research here was, like, he got nominated for an Emmy uh, prior to all of this for... He was in Roots. I, I didn't know that. He was in Roots. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had a current uh, recurring role on Good Times, Mary Tyler Moore Show, The District, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So yeah, no, he's got a, he's also in another TV show, yeah. which I'm going to park for now and have it as part of my IMDb questioning. Ooh. I have a feeling I'm not going to win this week. <laughs> but I've won the last two. Maybe it's time to up your fucking game. <laughs> the other line that I really liked was... When they question Akeem on what college that he went to, and he said, "I went to university." Like, what university? <laughs> I go to the University of the United States, <laughs> and it's such a stupid, simple line, but I really laughed hard at that. Sometimes you can't beat a good silly line. I like the uh, when he's sending the telegram. When uh, Semi is sending the, the telegram, also his character's name when I was a kid, and I don't know whether this was a. It's obviously a joke. It's like like semi, like semi erection. Yeah. His name is Semi. She calls him Semi, and he corrects her. He's like, no, it's Semi or something. It's like a slightly different pronunciation. Wait, I wrote, I wrote yeah. it down, and I can't, I can't remember. But he's a uh, Semi. Yeah, Semi is his name, but she says Semi, and he goes uh, Semi, and he's like asking for two hundred and fifty thousand, and she's like, you think that'll be enough? 
like real oh, sarcastically. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yes, 500,000. And then she goes, I mean, as long as you're asking, why not go a million? <laughs> <laughs> and I love, yeah. I love her kind of sarcastic, you know, this guy's nuts kind of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, the, the, that, that was a kind of a staple of uh, 80s comedies, the kind of sarcastic new yorker that felt that felt like a cameo um, got, like, was that person little scene. was she famous no no El- elaine coogan is her name I, I wrote it down because i was like she's very good I, wrote, I put a smiley face beside her there, name there's so many like, she's good there's so many people like bit parts in 80s and 90s comedies that are so strong and yeah. i know what happened like even she reminds me of the character in planes trains and automobiles where he's Steve Martin is at the desk and he's complaining about his car and he's like I had to walk for five effing miles through five yeah. fucking and then she he says fuck like 50 times he goes to get my yeah. fucking car only to come to you and look at your stupid fucking face and you tell me that you can't fucking help me and then she just says oh you're fucked <laughs> it's a great line <laughs> yeah, yeah. but she she reminded me of that character like the sarky behind the desk teller yeah. Yeah, uh, person. You mentioned Star Wars Gunner. I do take that on board. I think that's a good shout. Just under the rules that you stipulated for the Star Wars Gunner, being somebody <laughs> who is in a minimal amount of the film that makes the most impact, yeah. I was going to put it out there that the that the wife that he's been forced to marry is potentially the Star Wars Gunner because Ooh. had she been a perfect match, he wouldn't yeah. have had to go to yeah. America. Yeah. So she's if my he, Star Wars Gunner. If she wasn't just like. If she had any free will of her own or any agency, <laughs> yeah. he would yeah. have been like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go to America. He would have been like, oh, no, yeah, I'd actually, yeah, I will marry her. <laughs> I will. I will marry her. What about plot holes? Anything we don't understand about the film? I have, at the end of the movie, where is Lisa going to on the train? Where is she running to? She just gets on the train and she's just on, 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 the, the, subway. on the subway. Yeah, and they and they and they have this whole argument in front of all the extras, and it, it's another it's another eighties and nineties trope is that that scene in a movie where a couple are fighting, and the extras are listening into the conversation and making little comments like, "Oh, go for it, girl." That's a real eighties thing to have that kind of a scene in front of a crowd of that. But yeah, yeah, that that was a bit of a plot hole to me. And then also, why speaking of Lisa, like her dad, why did they make him a widower? What was the point in that? Like. They, like it was like needless hurt to put on that poor man. <laughs> like, yeah. why did they make his wife dead? Because just... there's there's another character that Eddie Murphy or Arsenio Hall could have played. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe he was. Yeah. I I thought when I was watching it, uh, when they're at the bed, the baseball game or the uh, not the baseball game, the basketball game, and uh, there's this dude from Zamunda who turns out to be, and I recognize him, his name is Vonda Curtis Hall. He's like a pretty well-recognized actor, director, theater director kind of guy. And, you know, he recognizes him and he's like basically manhandling him, even though he's royalty. And he's like kneeling in front of him. And the whole time I was thinking, you left Zamunda, you left like this paradise African country to come you know, schlub it, uh, you know, and work in a fucking baseball arena in selling peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. It just made, it made no sense to me at all. Yeah. But he's royalty. The royalty in, in, in every country would be, you know, 
immensely no no the higher. no the guy the guy who the guy who meets him like the yeah, the, but the he, guy but who's he from Zamunda lived that lifestyle in Zamunda you know oh yeah I been, suppose that's true he probably was 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 right down the bottom of the rung you know right down the bottom of the ladder and he was probably a, a penis washer yeah. <laughs> the royal penis is clean I'm ge- okay I'm gonna go to New York and sell some peanuts in Madison Square <laughs> Madison Square Garden <laughs> from washing nuts to selling them well he's probably cleaning the the queen's vagina and not the, you know, not the king True. of the prince's penis, you know. That's that's what she's into. The royal, the royal vagina is moistened. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what made no sense about the movie to me? Why is Lisa with Daryl? Yeah. Because Daryl is a fucking asshole of the highest order. And also... Hello. I think that's... An idiot. Is it me you're looking <laughs> for? Yeah, so so when, the, when the credits rolled at the end of the film and Lionel Richie's name didn't appear, I actually Googled yeah. what is Lionel Richie's real name because then I thought that Lionel Richie was his stage name and I was like, but if that's a stage name, yeah. why would he change it for the film? Does he have a different film name? <laughs> I swear yeah. to God. <laughs> They are like at the, yeah, at no. that time, like in the eighties. They look uh, they obviously look different now, but yeah. at that time in the eighties, there are crossroads side, where they, they crossed. Those two lads ha- look the exact yeah. same. I never twigged it. I think. Do you know when you see somebody like mildly famous, and you don't know where you know them from, so you <laughs> just assume it's like an auntie or so because he's actually he's mildly famous. That guy. Yeah. Um, so then I just and then he he's the spit of Lionel Richie so I just put him into that bucket but yeah. I didn't realise that's the guy that ended up to go on to be like one of the big actors in ER yeah. he was like the one of the main doctors in yes. ER so that that's what I knew him yes. from er- oh Eric God, LaSalle that's Eric what LaSalle. I knew yeah, him yeah. from and he's fantastic and he got nominated for Emmys and everything in that yeah and then he kind of he kind of disappeared like what like whatever happened to him he, he's not he's not in movies anymore he's not even on on TV anymore but I never, I never twigged that he looked like Lionel Richie, or that they'd made him look like Lionel Richie, because to me he was like first off he was Daryl the kind of dumb asshole, yeah. and then he was your man from Eeyore because I was a big fan of Eeyore. But he is completely racist. Like he says, Wear, "Wearing clothes must be a new experience for you," and you're probably in Africa chasing monkeys and stuff. Yeah. And his clothes are intensely bad. Like there's a moment at the at the party when when himself and Lisa's dad announce their engagement before he's even uh, proposed, and he's wearing this kind of fuzzy mm. purple jacket, and he looks like a fucking Lidl version of Prince. I was going to say, just, I was going to say Prince exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like. A shitty prince, like it's just, and and that scene has an age very I love, well. I love, the, like the the, the notion no, no. of of, yeah. of going to a dad and asking for his daughter's hand in marriage. And I know he lied to the dad, and I yeah. know that's I know that the dad that wasn't the dad giving her away, but just that notion of pushing your, you know, yeah. agenda. But 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 in a, in a, in a in a big scale, big budget romantic comedy like this, big mainstream comedy. You have to have the the girl like Lisa, who is perfectly lovely, smart, uh, beautiful, 
and she's gone out with this total jerk that in real life she wouldn't go out with. But we, as an audience, need to fucking hate this guy. Yeah. So Akeem isn't stealing her away from someone who's a genuinely nice guy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's a fucking jerk. He's a racist asshole who looks like Lionel Richie. And it's only because he's a he's a prince of, you know... Soul glow. Uh, of industry. Yeah. Of soul glow. He's fa- that made me laugh, actually. His father's invention. <laughs> he invented hair, a hair product. It's like, what is it? Like, it's just oil. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and when, they, when, his, when, his, when his granny and his parents are on the couch oh, they leave in the uh, Mr. McDowell's house, and they, they, yeah, they stand up in the yeah, tree oily yeah. patches on the couch. It reminds me of when I was a kid and I used to wear Dax wax in my hair. And uh, whenever I'd be lying on my mum's couch, too. Uh, get off off that couch, you're going to have oil everywhere. Your stupid greasy hair. <laughs> Just let your dex wax. <laughs> let your dex wax. Uh. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, do you know what doesn't make sense as well? Uh, Lisa's wearing a big sheepskin rug jacket and she's running in the pissing rain. And that's a bad choice. A bad jacket choice. That, really? <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Didn't cop Towards that. the end of it. Um, oh, yeah. Here, here's another thing that made no sense. There's the thing that I... that I When um, when the uh, when the king comes to New York after Semi says, send us a million dollars, we've run out of money. Yeah. And the king arrives in New York and the, the, the rose petal girls are like throwing out the rose petals and he goes into the... He's walking everywhere. Like he goes into the uh, the barber shop, and then he goes into McDowell's, and then he says, uh, "You know, no, do do not tell Akeem that. I, do not alert him to my presence. I will deal with them myself." And he sounds totally like Darth Vader when he says that. Yeah, line. it's very similar to an Empire Strikes Back line. And then immediately, like they don't clean up the rose petals because Eddie Murphy shows up in the next scene and there's fucking rose petals leading up to his apartment yeah. building and it's like if you really didn't want him to know that you were here you would have you know uh cleaned up those rose petals because that's just that just screams yeah. your dad is in town yeah <laughs> it's so He's it's too so royal dumb. to think about those things yeah that's he it just assumes rose petals are everywhere that whole zigzagging of bodies around new york you know the dad's here the son's there um, his yeah, his uh, yeah. his servant is going from apartment to the Waldorf, and all the notes are being left. That's such an example of like how that whole setup would have to be revisited with mobile phones. Like it just doesn't happen today. That whole structure. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a plot hole, but it's a. If you were doing a reboot, you'd have to change that whole setup. Dre, we do have a we do have a category that we try and touch on in most of these. You're in the driving seat behind this category. How can you put Tom Hanks in this movie? Um, it's probably the only time we can't maybe <laughs> yeah. probably morally have that conversation because because <laughs> it's 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 the casting is quite perfect. I think um, he should be the like, African yeah. prince. Yeah, he should be uh, the prince. Yeah, I think yeah, the yeah, only yeah. role that I turns out he's adopted. Yeah, he he'd be a good Christ. token. He'd be a good token white character. He he probably yeah he'd play he'd play the Louis Anderson yeah, role. Yeah, or or yeah. he could even play um, you know the original love interest of Lisa McDowell you know he could be Lionel Richie the asshole he could be the oh. asshole yeah yeah you it's know? a fresh out yeah but Tom Hanks could never be an asshole re- re- recast 
<laughs> he could play. He could, do you know who he could play? Actually, he could play. Well, because you want to give him something to do, he could play either the. I was thinking the taxi driver, but he's only got like kind of two scenes. And also, how did they get all of that luggage tied to that taxi cab? It makes no sense. He could. He could play the landlord. True, or the Jewish guy. <laughs> <laughs> No, but then Eddie Murphy would would you know oh, true. would have to play one less character. Yeah. He could play. Oh, he could play like um, he could play Cuba uh, Gooding Jr.'s part. Getting his weave. Yeah. Getting his weave cut. <laughs> yeah, and he's got no lines. <laughs> it's just like stunt casting. You just have Tom Hanks <laughs> in it for no reason whatsoever. He was a good barber, though Tom Hanks in Castaway. He did a pretty good job in Wilson, so he could have been a barber, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I'm amateur dentist. Amateur dentist as well, yeah. Uh, we do have the we do have the category who would star in the reboot, but if they are making a reboot, like it's the sequel, and well, they're making a sequel. Yeah, well, it's a sequel, but the, I've got a feeling that it's a it's a it's a it's a sequel to a comedy that was famous thirty years ago, which screams they're just redoing the script and painting my numbers potentially, which in theory, mm. is kind of a reboot. So, effectively, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall would play would, would be in the reboot if they did do it. Is there anything we would want to see from the sequel to make it better based on the cutting room floor of the first film? Uh, less tits. Uh, more uh, female characters. Mm. Yeah. Uh, which I think it does have. Yeah, is, is there a really big... You know, is there a goo for for a sequel to coming to America? Do people love it that much, or is it again just Eddie Murphy saying this was my big hit, and you know we're gonna we're gonna make a sequel to it? I I think coming to America definitely has a huge piece, a place in people's hearts that maybe passed us by just because we're in Ireland and there's other films that kind of caught on to our youths maybe. Mm. Yeah, and then also we're we're look we're we're three white people living in in Europe talking about coming to America and how relevant it is. You know, I'm sure it's a different conversation if you're, if you know, if yeah. we if we grew up in New York or if we grew up in in the states and um, yeah, it's and we felt it's, it's a big thing by, for uh, like I I know that a lot of people in America and all over the world like they still dress up as as the main characters for like parties. Oh and yeah. Uh, yeah, like apparently yeah. for different screenings and premieres of Black Panther, that loads of people dressed up as the characters from Coming to America. Yeah, it was almost like a, a, a statement <laughs> of like, like the the, the films that have yeah, because uh, uh, yeah, pe- people who were Black kids Cast growing up would have yeah, th- this would have been something that they would have been like, oh yeah, this important. is a mainstream, a mainstream sexy comedy where. The sexy leads are people who look yeah, like exactly. us. Exactly. Yeah. Trev Lou, Louis Anderson is in the sequel as well. Oh, oh he has to be. He he's probably the manager of McDowell's at this. Yeah. Stage. I, I yeah. I, I he's probably up I, to like I, the, I think the, the bun maintenance guy or the the, the onion slicer or <laughs> yeah. something. It has to be something like that. In thirty years, he's got yeah. he's got that far. Yeah. yeah. So has the film entered anything into the lexicon? Um, any any influences on pop culture? My my one that I want to put out there. Is the mic drop? Yeah. Um, like that mic drop that oh, yes. Randy Watson does at the end of at the like that's probably yeah. the first mic drop I've like is committed to movie. Yeah, it's probably the first one time I ever saw yeah. it because I, I I don't think I really saw any kind of stand up and even stand up they wouldn't have done it no, that often. No, and sexual chocolate like 
that as a phrase that's something that like you sex in the chat so that you heard that in school i i would have heard that yeah. as well yeah, um, yeah. Pro- product placement <laughs> any products any bad endorsements oh God, cheesy placements so much product uh, placement in this film i actually started to write was, down okay I, I noticed the new yorker there was posters and stickers all over the place in a few scenes yes um the waldorf astoria hotel mm. western union mcdonald's not to be confused with mcdowell's um <laughs> the louis the yeah it's like a it's like a secret uh they're big suitcases at the start they're louis vuitton bags um, oh yeah a lot of coca-cola and cherry oh. cola budweiser Everywhere, nike yeah. and mm. british airways that's what i saw yeah yes. concord and yeah. don perignon, don perignon or yes. perignon or the champagne yeah. The one thing about McDonald's you might have seen if you're looking up anything on it um, was the whole backstory with the, with the litigate. Well, not the litigation, the story. So they obviously went out to McDonald's head office and got full permission for the storyline. And McDonald's were game ball, and they're like, "Yeah, that sounds pretty funny. Go do it." So they took over a Wendy's in New York or in Queens, um, and they did it up as McDowell's. And they had all their letters in their back pockets ready to go. If anyone said anything to them, they were covered. And on the first day of shooting, a manager of a local McDonald's just turned up with a camera taking photos. And then three days later, he turned up with a lawyer <laughs> and he wanted to sue them on behalf of McDonald's. And they're like, no, no, we have. We've done, we've, we've done our homework. We've done all the research. We've got, we've got a letter. I don't care if you've got a letter. You're still going to court. And he got violent and he was like trying to tear down signs and stuff. Shit. So it just goes to show you, you can never be... Even when you're prepared, somebody will still tell you that you're uh, you're in the wrong. But yeah, totally, and such an indirect advertisement for McDonald's. Okay, the IMDb movie quiz. So once again, I will read out a list of questions that I very lazily scraped off my IMDb app about twenty minutes before the Bring call. Bring it. <laughs> Here we go. Start the clock. What famous actor had a scene? Let me cut? see your hands, Ed. I know, so I know you're not googling. Let me see your hands, Ed. So I know you're not Googling. Yeah, you got to keep your hands up above your waist. You've, go- <laughs> You've Googled all this before. Jack Hughes. <laughs> Say again. What famous... What famous actor had a scene cut? Ding, ding, ding. Ed Salmon. Jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Oh, sorry. Different quiz. <laughs> um, what famous actor had a scene cut? Yeah. I don't know. We already talked about him. Cuba Gooding Jr. He was in a scene, but he actually had a better scene. Oh. He had a better scene. He had an extra scene. He had cut. an extra scene cut. He. You should have said what actor in the movie had an additional yeah, scene cut from the movie. I think I, I, I wanted it to be a tricky question. It's a trick question, is what it was. So I said it in the wrong way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. He he in the in the scene that was cut, he tells Clarence that he doesn't have any money to pay for the haircut, and Clarence or Eddie Murphy responds by shaving a bald patch out of his hair, which I don't know if they used a wig or his actual hair. I hope it was a wig because if it was his actual hair and he had to get a big lump cut off it and then he got the scene cut from the movie, yeah. it would have been a bit of a kick in the teeth. It's pro- probably wig. And then years later, he was asking Tom Cruise to show him the money to Oscar-winning effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all linked. It's all, Is this hey, scene available cosmos, to watch bro. on YouTube like in uh, edited... You know, cutscenes. No, I, I I was forced to watch this through my mind's eye as I read from it mm. on IMDb article. Who was pegged to play the king instead of... Who was fucked with a strap-on? <laughs> yeah, who was pegged to play the king instead of uh, James Earl Jones? The juice. <laughs> the juice. 
<laughs> yeah. But the glove, the glove didn't fit. <laughs> the glove didn't fit. Morgan, the king's glove. Morgan Freeman? No, he, he wasn't no, old but a, back then or famous. Yeah. Higher caliber of actor, uh, but like Morgan Freeman. Oh, Sidney Poitier. Oh. Yeah, a fellow, a Is fellow Oscar winner. He's the only one. Yeah. All right, yeah, he would have been good. He would have been good. Yeah, it would have been... A not not diff- as funny, though. I, I, I thought James Earl Jones had some brilliant lines in it. Now, one line that, yeah. that probably wouldn't cut it today in today's society. <gasps> when he t- I know you're going to say. the bathers. <laughs> Don't you yeah. have sex with the bathers? Do you have sex with the bathers? <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> it's so, like, look, that wouldn't fly today. But how he says the end of the line, I know I do. Like, that could be any joke. It doesn't have to be about having sex with bathers. It could be about eating cake or something. But it's his little cheeky smile that he gives when he says that line is just hilarious it is funny at the start when he says uh when he comes to sit down beside them and he says you've grown a mustache <laughs> yeah yeah like he hasn't seen him in years and then he says does uh, uh he, the queen says yeah i was very nervous i nearly th- i nearly threw up before i met your your father and he goes you see son there was a very fine line between love and nausea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was. I thought that was a good one. Well, he del- he delivers these lines very yeah. well. Well, he's just it's his voice. He, he's just velvet, you know. He, yeah. He's he, and speaking of, speaking of Morgan Freeman, he was the original yeah. voice. Like like that. Like you close your eyes, you know you know who it is. He's just um, he has such a distinct voice and presence. I remember when my son went to America to find himself a queen. <laughs> yeah, and li- little known fact, little known fact, James Earl Jones was the voice of Darth Vader in the yes. Star Wars. Movies. Oh, there's a little yeah. bit of uh, inside Hollywood there. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's, you guys like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit. There's a really good YouTube video of they take all Darth Vader scenes and replace them with lines from Coming to America. It's very funny. Uh, oh, so yeah. Darth Vader's talking to like uh, like stormtroopers, and he's like, Do you uh, have sex with the Vaders? <laughs> no, he's like, like uh, <laughs> I can tell this has been very inconvenient for you. How about two million dollars? Two two million United States American dollars? <laughs> How about three? <laughs> no, it's really good. On paper, on paper, how well did this movie perform? It's a bit of a trick question. I think it it made a lot. It yeah. made a shitload, a dump load of money. Mm-hmm. Do you want to figure? On but on paper, did it? What do you mean by oh, that? Oh, like yeah, there, I think. Look, I think two... Do you mean like reviews? No. So do you mean the novelization of the of the movie? What You're getting there. So but, look, it made over two hundred million, but there's a lot of royalty contracts signed with Eddie Murphy oh. and Arsenio Hall. So the whole Hollywood accounting model came into play, and on paper, it was a flop. They actually made it look like it was oh. a total loss. <laughs> they had all the kind of you know, sneaky accounting that came into play really? that made that 200 million go away. And then Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall didn't get the payout that they probably should have got, which is why I think nowadays at movies, they tend to, they tend to sign deals based on gross and not on net. Bit of, oh, okay. bit of sneaky bookkeeping going on in there. Yeah, A lot of actors now get a cut of like, go, go in as almost um, the only rights of the film now, don't they? They go in as, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they have a stake. They have a stake in the film, so they yeah, get they, they get a, yeah. yeah, and merchandising yes. and all that kind of stuff. Speaking of merchandising, I I did like the little and it's it's the one thing about the movie. It's like I kind of call them um, airplane gags, like you know, like the little gags that are in between scenes that kind of airplane did so well. Mm. And there's a bit of that. Now, sometimes it it's jarring and it takes you out of the story, but even at the um, 
not the coronation, the, the, the announcement or the wedding or whatever it was when, when his bride has been presented to yeah, him. Yeah, the engagement. Like, yeah, selling the merchandise outside the, outside, I was going to say outside the stadium, outside the palace. Oh, yeah, yeah. Selling the t-shirts with his face in it. I, I do like those little jokes that kind of, that get peppered around the story. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. who had the biggest onset rivalry? Mm, probably, I would say, Eddie Murphy had a rivalry with someone. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it was probably... One of the characters that he played. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that guy. Yeah, one of his one of his own, probably the old Jewish man and Eddie Murphy didn't get <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my answer. Yeah. <laughs> was it... I don't, actually, was it I don't, I don't Ray, know. Do you know? I didn't look up. Was it, was it male or female? Two males. Two males. Yeah. A cock yeah. fight. <laughs> yeah. Two egotistical males not getting yeah. along <laughs> in a high pressure uh, environment. That's not, uh, that's not like men. <laughs> yeah. It was, no, John Landis and Eddie Murphy. Oh, the uh, They committed the moving, oh. hating each other. Because, really? yeah. Like to the point where they actually ended up kind of get Eddie got John Landis in a headlock on set, which was kind of playful, but ended up like Eddie was really trying to display and show his strength over John Landis because it came to a yeah. boiling point. Basically, there's two different sides of the story. John Landis' side is, and there's a quote here from John Landis that I pulled up. He, he basically says, the guy on Trading Places was young and full of energy and curious and funny and fresh and great. The guy in Coming to America was the pig of the world. But I still think he's pretty good in the movie. <laughs> but but then Eddie Murphy came back saying, and his quote is long, but basically what Eddie was saying was, look, I felt sorry for this guy because his career was going nowhere. Now, I don't know if it was going nowhere. He'd made Trading Places. He'd made Three Amigos. Yeah. He was on the up. But what happened, John Landis, and you might have seen this, is that oh, the whole Twilight, the Twilight Zone. Zone trial. Yeah. So, so yeah. the Twilight Zone incident happened. He ki- he killed a man and then a couple two, of kids. Well, a helicopter. Two, did. Yeah, and the, the the helicopter, the rotor came off the the, the helicopter yeah. and, it, and it, it landed in in a couple of people. But he was he was liable or whatever. He was found. He liable. was found liable. Yeah. Well, he, I, I, what happened was that he got any liability. I think. Yeah, and he was trialed for yeah. um, is it called not accidental manslaughter, but I forget the term. But but, but yeah, what yeah. this. This thing in the tale was that the negligence, negligence yeah. leading to manslaughter. The kids were working out of hours, so I think like the child labor laws, they have to stop yeah. at six, and I think it was like seven or eight o'clock when it happened, which kind of put him into a whole mountain of shit. But that trial was happening around yeah. the time when they were picking the director for Coming to America, Eddie and Eddie Murphy liked him. the relationship he had with him in Trading Places, so he decided to give this guy a shot, and he wanted to give him an, an opportunity. But they just clashed, and he. Eddie Murphy didn't like John Landis treated Eddie Murphy like kind of like a, a young up and coming child in trading places because he was new to the scene. He was the new hot guy and John Landis kind of had a fatherly role. But then coming to America was like whatever, four or five years later and John Landis was still treating Eddie Murphy like that and Eddie Murphy didn't like it because he had a production title mm. <laughs> even though he wasn't a producer and he was the ego. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They, they totally clashed. I got a, I got a story by credit. Yeah, e- exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. And on the story by credit, that's another fact that I'd heard that um, they actually, the studio had passed on a very, very similar script in the early 80s uh, and it was a script that they put in front of Eddie Murphy about an African prince who goes to America to find his bride and Eddie Murphy didn't want to do it and the studio weren't interested. And then five years later, Eddie Murphy pitched the same story to the studio and they went with it. 
<laughs> and uh, the uh, uh, but there was an out of court settlement. I think the guy got a couple of million for it because um, it was it was settled after after the success of coming to America, and sneaky. the money that they had pay, that they had to pay out fed into that whole Hollywood accounting thing where they were saying it actually wasn't that much of a profit. They actually made a loss because of all this expenditure that they had. Now, next question: What recurring John Landis gag? Appears in the movie. Ding, ding, ding. Go. See you next Wednesday appears yeah. uh, as a poster. It does. Uh, in the, I, I, I spotted it this time around because I, I think the last couple of times I'd watched it, I hadn't seen it in years. Yeah. I didn't really know about this. And obviously I'd seen it in, there's one in the Blues Brothers. Uh, people either say it or it's usually represented as a as like a fake movie poster. Yeah. And this one was like it, near the end where uh, he gets off the subway and he's all sad and stuff. Yeah, you see a see you next Wednesday. It's like a sci-fi kind of kind of deal. And I don't. I think I think I saw Dan Aykroyd's name on the on the yeah, poster. Yeah, and like I think that. Jamie Lee Curtis's name is in it as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is obviously he'd worked with them in trading places. Yeah, and the last time it was seen was in Jamie Lee Curtis's bedroom in trading places on the wall. And funnily enough. It was one of the things I actually noticed it in trading places at Christmas. Didn't Google it, just noticed it and thought, oh, that's weird. That's a weird, it's a weird film to have on a wall. And then I noticed it again. I've never seen that film. Yeah. And then, and then I noticed it again this time. I didn't join the dots, but I went, oh, but I knew the director was the same. And I wondered, oh, I, does he, does he just make up movies and put them in the, in the worlds that he, that he builds? Um, and then when, yeah. I know when I Google it this time around, I saw okay, it's the same movie and it's a running gag and it's in all it's nearly in all of his movies. Um, so yeah, for extra points, Ed, because you're trailing here. Where so. <laughs> I've started, so I'll finish. <laughs> See you next Wednesday. Uh, where does that Where does that quote come from? Uh, where does it come from? It comes from a movie. It does come from a movie. It comes from a Space Odyssey. Thank you. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yes. correct. Yeah, yeah. Because there's one in space that I see. Yes. It's the last line that Frank Poole's uh, father says during one of the video letters that he, he should have him. said, see you next Tuesday. And then it was just a, a nod to the cunts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A nod to the cunts. Okay. We got a double question here. Most of the dance performed by the Royal Dancers uh, that we talked about earlier on, it's based mm. on a dance from a very, very famous pop video that John Landis also directed. Thriller? What was it? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Thriller? MJ Thriller. Dre said it first. Hey, I said ding, ding, ding. Trevor and then she said answered. in the first oh. episode that we just have to say the answers. We don't even have to do ding, ding, dings. So you're just slowing yourself. <laughs> you're slowing it down. Maybe, Ed, if you open your ears and listen. I listen, Trevor, I listen to every single word that comes out of your mouth. I know all the rules. I've, I have a spreadsheet. I appreciate it, Trey. I like, I like, I like <laughs> That's that. That's not true. I like that level of prudence. For bonus points, who <coughs> choreographed the dance? Jackson. Michael Jackson. <laughs> no. Michael uh, Jackson. Kenny, Kenny Ortega? <laughs> Paula Abdul. Paula Abdul. Paula Abdul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is she um, famous for okay. dancing or singing? She really half-assed it there, though. She just went, let's just do the thriller dance, but like yeah. really fast. Yeah. A couple of quick fire questions. John Amos, who played the dad, we talked about him earlier. We talked about him earlier on. We know that yes. he was in Roots. He played a very f- yeah. He played a character Percy Fitzwallis in what TV show? Percy Fitzwallis mm. in what nineties TV show? Is it a cop? Fresh Prince Bel Air. The West Wing. 
Oh, okay. Did you not? On, did, I don't think I've, I've not seen all of that. Oh, okay. Uh, who I else from Trading Platform? Next question. <laughs> 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 who else from Trading Places was almost cast? For what role? Dan Aykroyd? I don't actually know. No, um, I don't know what role he was being cast for, but Paul Gleason, who in Trading Places oh, yeah. plays Gleason. that dirty, uh, corrupt security consultant guy, uh, Clarence Beeks. The guys that the, Duke, yeah. the guy that the Duke's brothers hired to uh, plant all the stuff on Dan Aykroyd. He was working on another film at the time. He was in contract and he couldn't get away. He was working in Die Hard because oh, he was obviously that mm. he was that kind of head of police in Die Hard who comes in and takes over the scene and you know and licks all the FBI guys' asses when they turn up. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen any of the Die Hard. You've never seen Die Hard? What? No. You've never seen Die Hard? Oh. Paul Gleason is fantastic. He's he's great at playing an asshole. He is one of the best assholes. He's actors. in. Have you have you seen Have you seen The Breakfast Club? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Who's yeah. in that? He's your man, and he's the teacher, the teacher. in The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, he's he's yeah, just yeah. the he's the ultimate eighties asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Paul Gleason should be added to. Actually, he needs to be brought up to be again. It's 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 not a coming to America conversation. But maybe when we talk about trading places, we need to talk about Paul Gleason and how he needs to be put forward as the greatest 80s asshole uh, in, in, in the best possible way. James Earl Jones and, Mar- and Madge Sinclair, who both play Eddie Murphy's parents, they also play a king and a queen in a different film. Lion King? Yep, the Lion King. Oh. I knew James Earl Jones played Mufasa, but... Well, it's the only other king he's ever played, really, that I know of. True, yeah. But yeah, his wife, his wife also played... Sarimba. <laughs> yeah. Which means, like, they should have just went for a trifecta and got Eddie Murphy to play Simba. That would have been br- that would have been a good film. Yeah, you know, hey, I'm gonna be king someday. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, it would have made more sense than than Matthew Broderick being James Earl Jones's son. I know in voice only, and they're lions, but still, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I had to get a white guy to do a lion's voice. Uh, final question: What is Zamunda or Zamunda <laughs> based on? Oh, it's um, uh, Richard Pryor used to do it in his in his stand up, wasn't it? Like he, the, the, that was the name of the fake African country. That yeah, he well, I don't stand-up. think he talked about the country, but he, he referenced a tribe called as a as a Munden tribe. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, bonus points, Ed. But you just fell a little bit short, Andrea, three times in a row. The queen of the MDB IMDb quiz. How did I, queen how did Dre. I, how did I win? Twice. Dre, I'm not going to lie to you. Three times. I, I think Ed won the first one, but I just said it was you. I, I just, wh- whoever, whoever's face is bigger on the chat when it gets to the end, that's who wins. Oh. <laughs> that's my rules for the quiz. <laughs> I've got a massive again. hairy <laughs> face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you don't breathe or to say something into the mic, it doesn't get bigger on the screen. So it's voice activated. I'm so if you want to win the quiz Damn. next week, say something before I announce the, the winner and then that face will get bigger and then that's who the winner will be. I just do a um, persistent okay, okay, heavy breathe into the mic. <laughs> so I'm yeah. always on yeah. screen. A nightmare to edit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've arrived at this crossroads that we always arrive at and we have to make a decision. Do we, do we elevate this movie into the lofty heights and... Shove it into the the city stream crossroads. <laughs> the city stream crossroads. I got See the key. At the crossroads. <laughs> um, where I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't think we've established what it means to put a movie in the city stream vault. Is it like a kind of a desert island thing? Is this like a movie that you would? 
or is it like the best example of this kind of movie? And I don't think this the sinis- is... The Sinistream Vault. Vault. Or let's just call it a vault. <laughs> it's a vault. It's a vault. Because it's electrifying. It's an electrical charge. Yeah. It, to me, it's... You know... Hey, kids, remember DVDs and Blu-rays? Remember those things that you... Those physical entities that you would put in your room that movies would be stored in? When you have too many of them and you've only got enough shelf space... You put the oh, you put okay, the crapper yeah. ones behind the the better ones. Yes. So the, yeah, the vault okay. is like the it's the yeah. list of DVDs on your shelf that you keep on the shelf. Or you um, use them so you're rolling. It, it doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be the deer hunter all the time or the Godfather. It can be yeah. it can yeah. be a Mrs. Doubtfire like last week. Like that made it to the vault, and I think you know it. Yeah. It, it look Mrs. Doubtfire. It isn't up there with like a Billy Wilder comedy. Uh, you know, it isn't the apartment. Yeah. But it's still a great movie it's something that you'll watch again and again <laughs> i would not include coming to america in the vault because i don't think it's a movie i would watch over and over again and having watched it again recently mm. i have really no desire to watch it ever again pretty much i i think there's funnier eddie murphy movies and there's better eddie murphy movies yeah. You know, I think if I was picking something that you could rewatch that would have funnier lines in it, I'd pick something like even like as reprehensible as the content in some of his stand up routines are when he does that that James Brown bit in whichever Mm. one of those stand up shows that he does that James Brown, James Brown bit in. That's really really funny. Yeah. Or Shrek is really really funny. Yeah. Or Beverly Hills Cop. Or is Bill is Cosby bit, more which which is even now even funnier because of the person that Bill yeah. Cosby is. The fact that yeah. he had the balls to do that against Bill Cosby when he was America's when he was America's dad. Yeah. What's, um, what did he say about Bill yeah. Cosby back then? He, he he's got a really good impression of. Which is calling him an asshole. Co- yeah, and Bill Cosby used to he called yeah. him a couple of times because he, because he was cursing. He, yeah, yeah, bringing down like misrepresenting, yeah, yeah. you know, his people by using the the platform to did, be did he do the same profanity. to or was that he Eddie could Murphy? I don't think so. Did he? Was he like? It was just Eddie Murphy, I think. Oh, it was yeah. Eddie Murphy. I thought it was Eddie. Yeah, I, I don't know, but yeah, I, it was, yeah, it was Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah, he rang Eddie Murphy and was given out to him about, about his bad language. Now the thing is, and, and it, with the words that you use, I talk to you about your cousin <laughs> in the in the stand up. <laughs> And Eddie Murphy was like, "Fuck you! I don't need to talk to you. I don't. I don't give a fuck. You don't tell me what to do. Fuck you." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And now that's even funnier that he <laughs> that he did that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't think this is. I think it's entertaining, but I think it's way too bloated and yeah. has a lot of kind of shit that kind of drags, especially at the beginning. So, as an Eddie Murphy movie, I don't think it's the best example of Eddie Murphy. I th- I think we need to save the space on the shelf for coming to America. <laughs> the n- yeah. is the new movie. Nice. Yeah, you should work for uh, Hollywood, Dre, with all that PR stuff that you got going there. <laughs> yeah, like I think um, there were some great gags and great bits, but as you said, I just thought it was too slow to get going. Like yeah. I suppose because I didn't watch it as a kid, I didn't have that. I didn't have that nostalgic. <laughs> feel you know yeah i mean that's probably playing a a really big role in why i'm saying yeah you're not getting in the boat but also it's it's one of those movies Dre. that i think if it's not a movie that you go you'd watch and you'd go oh you got to see this movie yeah 
Yeah. Or it's not a movie that like like Mrs. Doubtfire. If someone had never seen Mrs. Doubtfire or Back to the Future or Die Hard, you'd be like, "What? You're fucking crazy! You got to watch that movie as soon as possible." Yeah. I think we should do Die Hard soon. <laughs> if Dre, if you've never seen it, Dre, I think. Yeah. Even though I've seen it a bunch of times, but yeah, that would be worth a watch. Yeah, I, I was thinking of Die Hard for a Christmas one, but it came out in the summer, so maybe we can do it in the summer. To yeah, pay, I forgot that it's, it's not Christmas a Christmas movie. To pay tribute to uh, the original intent of Die Hard. It kind of retrospectively got called out as a, as, as a Christmas movie. Yeah, I'm the same. I think, I don't even, like, it's not the best Eddie Murphy film, and it's not even the best movie in the Trading Places universe. <laughs> <laughs> like so <laughs> yeah, that would be trading places which is trading places yeah yeah <laughs> exactly so it's the, and it's the it is the best john landis eddie murphy movie because he did coming to america and he also did beverly hills cop three coming which is america. the worst of all the beverly cup like you know three is i've just, never seen it three they're in a theme park yeah it's yeah and eddie murphy was apparently he was going through this phase where he wanted to be treated more like a kind of a, a serious actor so he wanted like he wanted a bit of depth to the to Axel uh, Axel's character. Oh, um, yeah, no. don't don't make don't make Beverly Hills Cop three if the, if you want to be taken seriously, Eddie. For fuck's sake! Exactly. Yeah, Tony Scott directed the second one. I didn't realize he directed Beverly yeah. Hills Cop two. Second one's great. Yeah, second second one's yeah. really good. I, I think we, we we need to talk about Tony Scott in one of these episodes as well. Maybe tackle one of his movies. Yeah, yeah. But yeah I'm the same. Look, it, like I think this opens the conversation. It's making me looking forward to doing Trading Places maybe closer to Christmas because I really like Trading Places. And I think that's a contender. Yeah. Maybe for the vault, but we'll see where that conversation goes. Yeah. That's not something I've seen in a while. I wouldn't mind watching that again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same here. For sure. So, yeah. Three, yeah. three out of three. Like, you know, third, third movie in, first movie not to three make strikes, it into the vault. You're out. <laughs> three strikes, you're out. Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. There we have it. It It is. Good effort. It's been cast aside by the shore. And the, the sea is going to come and take it off into the ocean on a on a little <laughs> on a little piece of ice. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> there we go. Coming to America, the vault has been shut, and it's not in it. So there you have it. Three episodes in, and the first movie not to make it into the vault. If you don't agree with us, let us know. We're on Instagram at the Cinestream Club or on Twitter at the Cinestream Club 1. Next week, we'll be tackling the Tom Hanks 80s classic Big. It's available for streaming on Disney Plus if you want to have a look and play along. Talk to you then. Have a nice week. Don't do what I wouldn't do. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit.